Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You are now listening to the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast, where we talk all things related to mental health, life lessons, and the culture. My goal is to help each and every listener pursue and center wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Shonda, licensed clinical psychologist. Now let's get into it. What's going on, everybody? You are now tuned into the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast. I'm always, always, always appreciative of you guys just showing up every single week, listening to me talk about mental health, faith, and the culture. It never gets old to me. Y'all know this is my passion. And this week ain't nothing new. We're going to continue to do it. We're going to continue to talk about things to help transform and change lives, y'all. We are celebrating Martin Luther King Day. Uh, We celebrated that a couple days ago on Monday. And I just want to quickly say... To those of you who are in the helping profession, anytime that day passes, I try to try my best to observe it by resting and by also reflecting on Dr. King's words and his address to behavioral health scientists. If you're not familiar with it, I encourage you, I strongly encourage you to look that up, to look up his address to behavioral scientists. And uh, he was so radical in his approach. Even by reading his address, you can see how radical he was regarding racial injustice. Um, His address to social scientists, specifically being psychiatrists, social workers, psychologists, and everyone else in the helping profession, and really targeting how we can continue to help people who are in our field, especially as it relates to white America and uh, their, their need to realize that America is deeply rooted in racism. And he talks about that. Because this is a podcast that is rooted in the social science um, relating to mental health and psychology. And, you know, I, I think it's just important to do that. So without further ado, y'all know I love to give shout outs in the first portion of the segment. I always enjoy reading the reviews that you guys leave, whether it's on YouTube or on the podcast through Apple, Spotify and everywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Last week, Y'all really enjoyed the episode. Like, y'all were really into it. Y'all know, you know, Black mental health is truly my passion. I strongly enjoy uh, talking about it, learning about it, educating others about it, simply because I think there is a need for more psychologists in the field as our profession continues to grow, especially those who are culturally sensitive and culturally aware of the things that Black people and uh, individuals of African descent have endured and experienced and how that impacts our overall worldview And so with that being said, again, I appreciate everyone who posted in their story, um, specifically relating to the review that was left. I just want to thank the most recent review that says, it's such a great podcast. Dr. Shonda is extremely intelligent, caring, and real. This is a podcast that you never knew you needed. Thanks, Dr. Shonda. I'm so proud of you. Uh, There was another one that said... I love how fun, relatable, and smart Dr. Shonda is. This isn't like any other health mental health podcast. I really appreciate y'all. I really do. Um, like I, I continue to say, y'all, this is my passion. This is not a job. This is something that I enjoy doing. I know it's my life's calling. And when you have a calling on your life, God gives you the anointing to, a, to do that. And I appreciate God for giving me the anointing to uh, speak to all of you every single week. If you want to be featured in the next podcast, all you have to do is to screenshot this on YouTube or wherever you're listening and post it in your story I will give you a shout out on my on the podcast Um, make sure you put your name in the subject line so that I can give you a nice shout out but I appreciate every single review that you guys are writing and let's continue to do that continue to show the love because this definitely helps with the numbers all right y'all without further ado we're going to jump straight into 
the Hot Off the Press segment, y'all. This is where we talk about mental health in the news and the culture and how it relates to us as people. Y'all know this is my favorite segment. I like to call myself a little fake journalist because y'all know (laughs) I'm your favorite mental health psychologist slash journalist. Y'all ready? Before I get into the Hot Off the Press segment, I'm pretty sure y'all tired of me stalling, but I just got to give a shout out to 1012 Does My Hair on Instagram. Last week, I don't know if y'all were updated with my story, but I was having a hair crisis. I love my natural hair. I love how big it is. I love like I love all of that. But it just is inconvenient throughout the week. I like to have protective styles. And one thing about the DMV, like DC, there's not a lot of braiders out here. Hashtag gentrification. Like there's not a lot of people out here who specialize in black hair. So I was really going through a crisis. And those who did have like braids and stuff on their Instagram pages and websites and stuff, they only had payment methods that I didn't have and it just didn't work out. So I posted how y'all call yourselves the chocolate city. And y'all don't have any good braiders. Like that's, it, it just doesn't make sense. The math ain't math. And how are we in a black city and we just don't have any braiders? Um, like I said, gentrification and a bunch of other things probably plays a role in that. But I want to give a special shout out. I found 1012 does my hair on Instagram. Y'all, she's bomb. These straight backs are giving Alicia Keys in 2001. I don't know if it was 2001. When did she come out with the song? Um, you don't know my name. That that song that that y'all know what I'm talking about. But it's giving me that. It's, it's giving it's giving the Alicia Keys uh, back in the early 2000s, and I really appreciate it. But anyway, let me get back into my segment. Okay. So we're going straight into the segment. Today we are talking about my girl, Ari Lennox, y'all. I, I've been rocking with Ari. She's from the DMV area. You can hear it in her voice. Like, I love music. She has that DC soul sound, and I love her so much. Like, before Shea Butter Baby, before the collab with Jasmine Sullivan, Ari Lennox was my girl. Like, she she does it. But my girl is our hot off the press segment because when she... In, December 2021, she took a trip to Ghana uh, for Afrochella. And I got to get to Afrochella. I keep hearing about it. But she took a trip to Ghana for Afrochella. After Lennox performed, she used the rest of her trip to explore. And the experience related really resonated with her. She said, wow, it's so rare and a good feeling to consistently wake up to peace and happiness. I hear you, girl. Lennox said in a now-deleted tweet thread. She also said, depression and anxiety is not fun. It's truly nice to get a break. To me, it sounded like she she was really paying homage to her experience, the people in Ghana, the experience in Ghana, her, uh, what she felt while she was there. Like it was legit, like a pure moment for her. I don't know why they dragged my sis on Twitter like they did, but they definitely was jumping in her inbox. They was definitely jumping in, um, retweeting her and saying, oh my gosh, now your ancestors are from Ghana. They're probably not even from Ghana, blah, blah, blah. Now she thinks she's from Wakanda and a bunch of other things that people were saying basically hating like there's no other way you can explain that and and just really going in on her and I really didn't appreciate that because number one that was my girl number two the simple fact that someone's opening up about how uh spiritual their experience was um going to Ghana going back to their native land and having that experience feeling connected to to peace and no longer feeling depression and anxiety in that same degree that they had in America that's something to be, that's noteworthy. That's something that, an experience that we should allow that person to have. Now, why someone would want to interfere with that, I have no idea. It really uh, seems like it could be coming from a place of misery. I always say we, we pray for people like that. Like, uh, what other reason could there be to want to come at somebody who's expressing those types of things? 
But, you know, one of the things that really got under my skin with this entire story is because this lady clearly stated that she experiences depression and anxiety. Like, it was clear. She, it, this isn't something, we're not speculating this. This isn't something that we're trying to piece together. She stated, I, I try to overcome depression and anxiety daily, and I'm doing it while in Ghana. I'm paraphrasing. The fact that we can't allow somebody to experience peace really says something about our internal being. How how much, how much how miserable can you be? How... Uh, how much peace can you not be experiencing in order to want to interrupt somebody else's? That's what I don't get about that. Beyond Ari Lennox, I think that's something that uh, a lesson we should just learn in society, especially as it relates to social media. When someone puts information out there, if they post something, if they're put out there an experience that they have, we have to be very, even if we don't agree with it, we got to be mindful of how we're talking to people, what we're saying, because these aren't just other accounts that we're communicating with. There are people behind these accounts that you don't like. Even the person that I completely disagree with on social media, I don't like this person, I don't follow them, blah, blah, blah. I can have all those feelings, but to be in their inbox or to be commenting back to them saying, you know, that they were doing to Ari Lennox that people do all the time, you're not, you're no longer just coming at an account. This is a person that you're attacking, a person with feelings. And I just want us to be more empathetic when it comes to this whole social media thing. One of the things I really I'm starting to realize, though, with social media is that people get too familiar with you, which I think is one of the reasons why people think they can jump in your inbox and tell you things and talk about your life and what you're doing right, what you're not doing right. I'm one of the people on Instagram. I like to kind of be transparent because I want people to feel like they know me. I want to invite people into my life. So we just have to be mindful. Like when we're on social media, there are people behind these accounts. I think because like even with myself, because I put myself out there as being very transparent and open and people do, uh, they strongly relate to me. I love the relationship that I have with my supporters on like Instagram and other social media platforms, but that does cause other people to feel like they know me so they can hop in my inbox and say something. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles? And a breakfast cut off. Ba da ba ba ba. Something rude, you know? And like I said, we just have to be mindful of how we're treating other people because there are people behind accounts, there are emotions behind accounts, and we just gotta be cognizant of that. We have to, to always be mindful of that. But the real tea is that on January 7th, so a couple days ago, Ari Lennox tweeted, My heart hasn't changed. Nobody can take the peace I felt away from me. I feel you, girl. I, I love the fact that you you kept that peace and you didn't allow anybody to take that from you. I do not like Twitter or social media, rather. So I'm giving my passwords to my label. Hopefully this will last. Love you all and thanks for the kindness. Now, I will say, girl, Ari, I'm proud of you because I don't know how many people, I'm not even going to say celebs or people with influence or status or what have you. I'm going to say people in general can can just hand over social media and say, I'm not going to engage in this anymore because it's impacting my mental health to that degree. And to recognize like, okay, this situation is no longer healthy for me, so I'm going to have somebody else do this for me. That is what we call boundary implementation. If something is no longer serving you, if it's costing you your peace, if it's disrupting your, your ability to recover from anxiety and depression, then absolutely disengage from it, even if it's for a little break. 
even if it's for like a year or what have you, or if it's like, it, it sounds like she wants to do it permanently. Even if that's the case, if that's what she needs in that moment, I'm here for it, girl. Like I am here for Ari putting her mental health first. You absolutely like you, listen, you won, you won 2022, January uh, 7th when she did this, she won because she didn't allow the trolls, the haters or what have you to really impact her mental health. I think we can all learn a lesson from Ari Lennox. I'm praying for you, Ari Lennox, and I hope that you continue to recover in your mental wellness journey. As we continue in from the Hot Off the Press segment, we are entering into the topic for today. We are talking about emotions, y'all. Emotions. I want you to stop stopping your emotions. I want you to stop stopping your emotions. We're talking about emotional suppression. We're talking about the tendency to push down emotions for one reason or another. The tendency to, to distance yourself from emotions. The tendency to, to not want to feel our emotions. We've all done it. Don't sit there and lie to yourself. Don't sit there and say like, oh, I feel all my emotions, Dr. Shonda. I journal every time. I... No, first of all, we've had moments where... Maybe we didn't fit, want to feel an emotion. Maybe we wanted to avoid something. We wanted to avoid a thought or we wanted to avoid feeling too vulnerable. Maybe if we were in front of people, like there were times in life, y'all. Y'all not going to sit here and act like finger in your face. Y'all not, y'all, where's the camera? There we go. Y'all not going to sit here and act like y'all don't suppress y'all emotions. Cause we've had moments like that. I've had moments like that. Oh, what's wrong with you? Nothing. Knowing I got a whole attitude because of this emotion or that emotion. But we we just got to get to a place to where we're not suppressing them. That's what it's called. It's called emotional suppression. For those of you who may not know what emotional suppression is, that is totally okay because I'm going to define it for you. So emotional suppression is a a defense mechanism, which entails pushing unwanted, anxiety-provoking thoughts, memories, emotions, away from consciousness. So when we talk about defense mechanisms, I'm just going to break this down for you without becoming too technical because y'all know this podcast isn't meant to be technical at all. But defense mechanisms are basically coping strategies that we implement in order to protect what we call the ego, in order to protect um, how we see ourselves. So if I see myself as Uh, a strong, well-to-do, put-together person or what have you, and I experience an emotion that makes me feel very vulnerable, I'm going to use a defense mechanism to protect myself from feeling that emotion. Defense mechanisms are sometimes unhealthy. Defense mechanisms are not always healthy to implement. When we feel emotions, we're supposed to feel them, not push them away or to stop stop feeling them. Wherever you're listening from, if you watching on YouTube, I want you to write in the comments, stop stopping your emotions, because that's what we're going to do today. What are some things that have reinforced this idea that we have to stop our emotions, that we have to suppress them? I'm going to give y'all some examples and y'all let me know in the comments or review or check my DM, uh, hop in my DM if you've heard this before. Emotional suppression typically is learned. It's something that we observe our either our parents or people who we're uh, connected to in childhood. We watch them do it or they even teach us how to do it inadvertently. They teach us how to do it without really wanting to teach us how to do it. I'll give you an example. Telling your child, oh, boys don't cry. Telling them boys don't cry. Now, if you've ever if you've never heard this before, 
This is basically something, um, a, a rhetoric that we say uh, to, to stop boys from crying. It, it, essentially, it equates emotional expression as a female trait. So saying boys don't cry, you're basically communicating to that child that they're not allowed to express emotion. And what happens? They go through life suppressing that emotion. Because they learned in childhood, oh, boys don't cry. So I have to internalize this. I have to suppress this. I'll give you another example. Stop acting like a girl. And this is something that we even say to to women. Like we say this to girls too. Oh, you're acting like a girl. Stop acting like a girl. Dust yourself off. Pick yourself up and keep walking. That is teaching our children. That is teaching our adolescents or whoever you're talking to, to suppress their emotions. You never heard that one before? I'll give you another one. That's that's real familiar with our people. Well, I got you. Stop crying before I give you something to cry about. Now, if you never heard of that one, I don't know what else to tell you. Because my mom used to always... <laughs> no, but I love I love my mom. But that's, uh, that's something that we used to... We say in our culture. That is something that we say, especially, you know, in the, in the black community. Stop crying before I give you something to cry about. Think about that. I get what you're trying to say. Now, you're, you're trying to convey that whatever the child, the emotion that they're expressing might be more extreme than the punishment that they're experiencing or the, the experience that they're currently having, right? I understand that. I can, I can see that. At the same time, what the child is hearing is that in this moment, the emotions that I'm expressing are not fit. I'm not able to express this at this time. So I'm going to pull it together, not expressing the emotion. That is what we call inadvertently teaching children how to suppress emotions. Even if you don't have children, this podcast is for you because this can help you learn why and how sometimes emotional expression or emotional suppression tends to start. This isn't something that you've learned after being in that relationship, maybe, or something that was picked up in adolescence. No, sometimes these are the patterns that we learn in childhood. So even as you think about this, I want you to think about, okay, what were some messages that were sent to me as a kid about emotions? Did I see my parents express emotions? Did I see uh, my brothers and sisters express emotions and then get reprimanded for that? That's how we get into patterns of emotional suppression. And then children who suppress their emotions, who are taught how to suppress their emotions, turn into adults who constantly feel like they have to express aggression. I have to express or not express anything at all. I have to suppress this. I either have to mask it, crying or anxiety and other, those are not acceptable. Therefore, I have to mask it with something that's more acceptable in society, or I have to completely suppress it. Those are the things that we learn in childhood when we're taught these things. And so when we think about it, we're also passing this down to our children. Again, if you have kids, like this is something that we're passed down from generation to generation. If we continue with the same rhetoric. Emotional suppression just doesn't just come out of nowhere. It's not just something that you just recently learned a couple years ago. Typically, this is a pattern of behaviors that's reinforced over time, over and over and over again. I want you to, y'all got to write that down. Children who are taught to suppress emotion become adults who can't communicate their emotion. They're constantly feeling like, you know, I, I'm, my emotions are so threatening. My emotions are not accepted by society. Therefore, I have to either push it away and avoid it, or I have to mask it with something that's more acceptable in society. Such as, like I said, being aggressive, 
So say what you want, but even the research backs this up. It's more in society. It's more acceptable for a man to express aggression and anger as opposed to saying I'm depressed or I'm sad or I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling embarrassed. I'm feeling ashamed. It's more acceptable to just, you know, fight or to to be aggressive or to, to express something that aligns with that level of what we call like masculinity, according to society. But that's not healthy. We have to stop suppressing our emotions, y'all. All right. I keep giving y'all examples, but this is so good. It, it, this could turn into a series, y'all. Like, I, I think I'm going to turn this into a series. But so as a culture, even, there are things that... Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, But the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We do things that we say that perpetuates this notion that we have to suppress emotion. That rhyme. I didn't mean to do that. It suppresses, it perpetuates the notion that we have to suppress an emotion. I want you to think about even what I call the myth of the strong black woman, the myth of the strong black man, the strong black person persona. Think about how being black, being strong, I got to always keep it together, has caused so many people in our families, in our lives, in our communities to suppress how they're feeling, to suppress their emotions, to not feel to, to, to not feel emotions of vulnerability, emotions that might be deemed as being weak. Emotions don't make you weak. Having emotions make you human. When we get into this idea that I have to be this strong black person, I have to fill the role of the strong black man, I have to fill the role of the strong black woman, which again is a myth, we tend to identify and take on the notion that when I do feel things like depression, when I do feel things that in turn make me more vulnerable, then I'm no longer a man. I'm no longer a woman. I'm, I'm no longer uh, that, that strong, resilient person. Therefore, I can't, I can't feel those emotions. I have to push them away. That is why emotional suppression is so common in our community. Oftentimes, and I, I think we're we're definitely changing the narrative of this. Of course, we're we're changing the narrative because I do feel like we're becoming more comfortable with conversations. I ain't gonna say comfortable because I do feel like it still makes us uncomfortable. Having these conversations are becoming more uh, frequent. We're having these conversations more frequently. Therefore, we're in a space to where people can talk about how. I was feeling depressed. I was feeling sad. I was feeling emotions that years ago, a black man couldn't endorse feeling. I was feeling emotions that a black woman, you're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be the super, the super woman that they couldn't feel. And so because we we have these notions in society that have kept us, you know, I, I like to say the, the myth of the strong black person has kept us uh, suffering for so many years, for centuries, because think about it. Our ancestors experienced these emotions. They had uh, every single human being has a wide range of emotions, but our ancestors couldn't express it. Our ancestors couldn't tend to their emotions um, as as we worked in dire and harsh circumstances. They couldn't do that because of what they were experiencing at that time. 
And so when we take on that same and we adopt that same, the behavior and the mentality of suppressing those emotions, we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to be able to heal things that our, our ancestors couldn't do because they, they couldn't. We have the permission now. We have the permission to feel now. This, it doesn't have to be that way anymore. We have the permission to be able to feel vulnerability, to feel um, anxiety, to, to feel these emotions and to express them in a healthy way. When we talk about emotional suppression, basically feeling an emotion, but I'm, I'm going to either mask it or I'm going to push it down. When I say mask it, like I said before, we're talking about presenting a, a more uh, acceptable emotion. Presenting a more acceptable, uh, an emotion that's more acceptable to society as opposed to feeling that thing that I'm feeling in that moment. So if I'm a black man and I'm feeling rejected, I'm feeling ashamed, I'm feeling embarrassed, I'm feeling emotions that are deemed as vulnerable because of that, these notions that have been perpetuated in our society, I'm going to suppress it and I'm going to behave in ways that don't align with how I'm actually feeling. That is emotional suppression. And ladies, we do it too. So we we ain't off the hook. The women do it too. We suppress emotions when we when we feel emotion any type of emotion again that makes us feel vulnerable. And we say no, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Well, why you why you acting like that? Why you have an attitude? I'm talking giving an example in your relationship. We've all done it. Why are y'all sitting here looking at me like this? We've done this before. Anyway, <laughs> we've all been in a place where we've suppressed our emotions either because we don't feel comfortable expressing them or because society has told us that it's inappropriate. There's no such thing as an inappropriate emotion. I always say one of the most beautiful things about our humanity is the fact that we can feel emotions. Inanimate objects cannot feel emotion. Animals can feel, sometimes have emotions, but they can't experience, not all can experience emotions uh, to the same degree, that level of complexity that we can. And how dare I suppress it? This is something that's God-given. God gave me these emotions. We can't mishandle ourselves and mishandle our health by continuing to push down how we feel. And so when, as we continue to talk about emotional suppression, I want y'all to understand that this is unhealthy. It is unhealthy for us to, to inhibit how we're feeling, to, to, to stop an emotion. We got to stop stopping our emotions because when we stop our emotions, our emotions don't go anywhere. Because we, because we stopped, we were trying to suppress them. We're trying to not feel them. That emotion hasn't went anywhere. We're, we don't, it doesn't magically disappear. It doesn't go to another dimension in the twilight zone. Like it, it, that just doesn't happen. Like it, it don't happen. Okay. So we got to get to a place to where we understand because I'm suppressing an emotion doesn't mean it's going away. What happens is sometimes if we suppress an emotion and we, we push it down, we try not to feel it, whether I'm angry, sad, upset, whatever, and I'm not giving myself the opportunity to feel it, that emotion might come out on somebody else. That emotion might, I might express that emotion at the wrong place in the wrong time because I'm holding it in because I'm internalizing my emotions and because I'm allowing my emotions to to kind of build up and then that's when you have people who might like blow up on their coworkers or who might curse out their boss because you're in a place to where you're internalizing your emotions you're not giving yourself the opportunity to feel and to express your emotions in a healthy way number two when we don't express our emotions what else can happen it can turn into physical sickness I cannot tell y'all how many people 
come to me and talk about like all the physical things that happens when we internalize our emotions. There are so many things that can happen when we internalize our emotions, when we're not feeling them, when we're trying to suppress them. Number one being high blood pressure. And we know because our community already has a history of high blood pressure. Why would we make ourselves more susceptible to that by internalizing our emotions to by suppressing how I feel by not expressing my emotions healthily? So it could turn into high blood pressure. It can turn into stomach ulcers, stomach ulcers and like ulcers in the body. Like, you know, all those things can definitely come from internalizing emotions and even thinking about other factors that can impact us. So things like migraines, like like stress headaches, like all those different things can be be related to internalizing emotions. I'm not giving myself the opportunity to express them. As you think about that, I want you to ask yourself, am I healthily expressing my emotions or have I allowed society or family stuff or cultural stuff to inhibit my level of emotional expression? What has inhibited your ability to express your emotion to the degree that you need to? Check in with yourself. Ask yourself, is this, am am I expressing my emotion or am I masking it? Am I avoiding it? The next time you get angry about something, learn how to express it. You don't have to suppress it and say, I'm not mad. I'm good. Somebody had posted something, um, not recently. This was a meme that was going, that was circulating, but it it said something along the lines of like, black people will, I'm good. I'm good you to death. Basically saying that statement, I'm good. I'm good. Like I'm I'm good as a response to everything. But your mom just died. I'm good. Something just happened to your kids. I'm good. I'm good. That's called emotional expression, y'all. Emotional suppression. I'm sorry. That's called emotional suppression. We can't I'm good ourselves into a grave. I refuse to I'm good myself into a grave. And I refuse to allow that to happen to you. I care too much about my community. I care too much about uh, God's people in general. I have a love for God's people to allow them to I'm good themselves into a grave. Why continue to put a mask on? Why continue to say I'm good? I'm all right. Like things are things are fine. Why would I'm, I'm find myself to a place where I'm unhealthy and not giving myself opportunity to properly Heal by utilizing the resources that might be surrounding me that could help me, huh? Am I talking to somebody? I know I am. I know I'm talking to you because we've we've done it before. We've all said that I'm good. Can I challenge you in this moment? The next time you feel an emotion and somebody asks you what's wrong, I want to challenge you not to give that automatic response, I'm good. Not to give that automatic response, everything's fine. I can handle it. Learn how to express your emotion. Learn how to check in with yourself. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Learn how to identify what you're feeling because that's one of the things that gets in the way of us being able to emotionally express and to emote the way we need to. Like I said, y'all, this can turn into a whole series, um, but I think I'm going to stop here. I do want to get into ways to stop emotional suppressing, um, but I actually might save that for either next week or I might save it for when we get our Patreon. So make sure you guys stay connected with me uh, make sure that you text podcast to 21000 so that you can be updated when we do launch our podcast uh, Patreon. 
I hope y'all enjoyed my little discussion about emotional suppression. We're not going to I'm good ourselves. To, where my finger? We're not going to I'm good ourselves to death, y'all. We're not going to do that. We are not going to do that, okay? All right, so we're going to transition into the Ask Dr. Shonda segment. And so, first of all, I love when you guys submit questions. I, I love being able to connect with y'all in that way. Now, y'all be writing some questions that I that are, are very similar. I love how you guys are like putting a lot of thought to it. There, a lot of them are very similar. So what I'm going to do is I, I typically, um, if I see one that's similar, I'm going to just put them all into one so that I can, you know, knock them, knock them out at once. All right. So uh, an individual stated that they're at the point where they want to break up with their significant other and um, because of trust, basically asking, how do you know when to stop trusting someone? Um, and so there were a lot of different details that went into this question that I don't think would be appropriate to share on the podcast. So in order to protect your situation, I'm not going to read that information. But the, the, the underlying, the gist of the question is, how do you know when to stop trusting someone um, as this person uh, considers ending their relationship? And so I just want to reiterate. So I love answering the Ask Dr. Shonda questions. But just to keep in mind that even though I might answer a question, it does not establish a professional relationship between myself and those who I'm answering questions for. Now, when it comes to trust, trust is not built overnight. Therefore, it's not lost overnight. And so I want you to keep that in mind. Also, keep in mind the fact that when we when we're talking about trust, uh, because you're answering it, you're asking this question, how do you know when to stop trusting someone? It seems like you're kind of already there. You've already been thinking about like, okay, um, is it time to, to cut off this connection? Because I don't know the entirety of your situation, I can't really give a hard and fast rule like you should do it after they break up with you this many times. Because well, one, life just, just doesn't work like that. Number two, you know, it's not a lot of information in the question, which is okay. But I will ask you just to kind of check in with yourself regarding how you define trust what trust means to you and what are your expectations in this relationship when it comes to relational expectations I always say it's never too late or too early to communicate that however if you feel as though you're communicating your relational expectations and they're constantly not being met then it might be time to transition in that relationship whether that means changing your expectation which is totally up to you or moving on to someone who can meet that expectation it seems like you're in that process of considering like whether or not you should move on but it's just it's worth continuing to think about so i hope that answers your question you guys can continue to ask me questions via dm or you can text me y'all that's a wrap i always enjoy talking to you guys every single wednesday at the paging dr shonda podcast like i said Make sure you get your black mental health apparel at mindsoftheculture.org. Sign up for Dr. Afia and I. Our uh, black women's therapy group is coming back on February the 2nd. And we will. We have a link down in the uh, show description regarding that. How to sign up and get your free consultation. Also, guys, make sure you're following me on all networks so that you can stay up to date with what's happening. Y'all are going to be real pleased in February when it comes to this podcast because I got some amazing guests lined up. We're talking about love and relationships. The Love and Relationship series will launch on February the 2nd. I hope y'all ready because we got some like we got some heavy hitters coming through. All right, y'all. It's been real. I always love rocking with y'all. Have a great day. And remember, you have the power to create the emotions that you want to experience. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. 
So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.